It's a trap! Hello and welcome to episode number 193 of Radio TCX, your weekly source for X-Wing news and strategy. I'm Tim Dugan and I'm joined by my co-host, John McDermott. Hello everybody. It's a good week to talk about X-Wing. You've taken a cue right out of Carson's book. Carson is not joining us this week. He is busy crocheting a Baby Yoda doll. And he hasn't crocheted before, so I think it's going to take him some time. (laughs) But in the meantime, uh, he didn't do his homework either, so he hasn't gotten any Epic games in yet. But both John and I have played a little bit of Epic, and uh, we've had some fun so far. So I thought today we'd focus in on our first impressions of the new format. Yeah, um, I didn't think I'd ever hear myself say I'm excited to talk about Epic, but uh, yeah, here I am. Yeah, a lot of huge changes from first edition, so uh, we'll kind of break that all down for you. If some of you are still on the fence about whether you want to get into the either a new huge ship, huge ship conversions, or just the Epic Battles expansion, uh, we'll kind of let you know the details so you can make that decision for yourself. Yeah, so uh, let's jump in and get talking about Epic. So I guess the, a good place to start is to talk about a uh, little bit about our Epic play experiences in first edition. We've mentioned it on the show before. I only played Epic in first edition probably three times, I want to say. And I think they were all just different world championships. Yeah, and uh, I played even less. So I actually joined uh, Drew Brockington's Summer League. Uh, I think it would have been 2018 and only played two of the three games. So that was it for me. Yeah, and it it was um it was always a cool idea. I actually I bought most of the huge models. I think I got them all now too. The Raider especially looks amazing, um and like it was a good thing in concept. But after playing the mechanics in first edition, it it felt it felt weird. It felt like I was almost playing a different game than X Wing because there were just always with every huge ship expansion different rules to learn, and it felt like there was this whole add on that kind of took away from the core X Wing experience. Yeah, and it, it felt like, too, there was just so much more going on uh, compared to regular X-Wing, um, which is interesting because I think Epic is kind of like the beer and pretzels version of the game that I think draws a lot of casual people to it. Um, but like as a competitive standard X-Wing player, I just found Epic super frustrating because I didn't know anything that was going on. Well, yeah, first edition that was true, and second edition it still holds true that it is definitely the you know the beer league tier of X-wing play. It's super fun. Um, there's some little quirks to it that I don't think make it good for tournament play, but actually I still recommend it. Now having played some second edition epic, one of the things that held me back in first edition was I'm not really interested in just massive dog fights. As cool as it sounds, um, I had some fun playing Epic in first, you know, in the handful of games. But I found that, you know, the bigger dogfights with higher point totals just usually meant there was a lot more uh, time wasted. You'd get fewer turns in each game. And to that end, I'd rather just play smaller dogfights just to get the games quicker, a little more exciting. Um, But they've cleaned up a lot of that in second edition. Yeah, they have. They've added quite a few tools for us to use to make the games go smoother, um, a little easier too. And from what I've heard from people that have played um, Armada in the past, uh, it actually feels kind of similar to that, but like an actual X-Wing scale game of Armada. Yeah, so let's start by uh, getting specific here, looking at the huge ship mechanics. So uh, a lot of refinement was done for this release. Um, In the, the first edition release, most of the huge ships 
had fore and aft sections and different ways to track rules and upgrades on each section. Um, there's been a lot of unifying of all the mechanics in this game. So now the ships are just broken down to no fore and aft section. It's just one ship card with a set hull value and a set shield value. You can modify it with some title cards, of course. The energy system has kind of been simplified too. Um, no longer, I don't think there are any cards that have like the energy header on them anymore. It's more, uh, they feel like traditional X-Wing upgrade cards that just require you to spend energy to activate abilities. So kind of an overall unifying of the mechanics. So the huge ships actually feel more like an extension of the main game rather than this kind of, you know, tacked on addition with a bunch of new rules. Yeah. And even the nature of some of the upgrade cards too, that have been introduced for the huge ships, um, just feel very in line with kind of how the game has moved forward in second edition, um, which I really like because mm-hmm. it, it's different, but it's the same. Um, I think I actually described second edition as kind of the exact same way when it first came out. Um, it's just a refreshing new take. Well, and I think one of the big changes, too, that um, was pretty exciting the first time I saw them demo it on the live stream was the updated bases. So they've standardized all the base sizes. Um, first of all, making the base piece one piece so you don't have the two separate stands held together by the cardboard you know, cover. Um, now the huge ship bases are one solid plastic piece. They've got notches in them to utilize the new uh, huge ship acrylic maneuver template, which, you know, shout out to FFG for not giving us a cardboard template for this. That was kind of like out of the ordinary for them, so I'm glad they went the extra mile. Yeah, that maneuver too is super nice. I like it a lot. Yeah, it just feels good. So all the banks now, uh, one of the main changes they made was uh, the ships bank a little bit more tightly um, so that if you want to play huge ships, you can do those actually on a 3 by 3 mat effectively. Couldn't really do that the way they moved in first edition. They they swung a little wide, so it wasn't practical. Uh, but now you could definitely do scenarios with just you know a huge ship on a 3 by 3 mat. It shouldn't be an issue. Maneuvers are tight enough. Um, and it feels really good, too, especially the banks. Um, they have the new angled little corner edge on the maneuver tool that actually locks into a notch on the base so that you set your bank, basically, and then rotate the ship kind of on one little center axis uh, in order to get the bank maneuvers. Yeah, super clean, super easy to use. Um, just a good addition. Um, they also have new cardboard dials for the huge ships that have the shield value and energy value for every ship on them, which is also very nice. Yeah, a lot of ease of use stuff you'll see, both in the way they updated huge ships and with with the introduction of wings. Because um, I think they recognized that a huge problem that Epic had in first edition was just like the amount of token tracking you had to do, energy tokens and a bunch of upgrade cards, and then also tracking shields on your ships and you, you regen those now. It's nice to have the shields put on the dials there because you most of the ships do regen shields at the end of each turn. And having a quick access to your energy is really nice too because you're going to be spending energy pretty much every turn. So it's nice to have a quick way to track that rather than flipping tokens or discarding them. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, overall, I feel like the mechanics of the huge ships from my first experience, I got to fly a raider flying against a Tantive four. And it was a really great experience. It, w- it wasn't hard to figure out the maneuvers right away, the way the zero banks affected it, or the three banks. Um, very much felt like an extension of normal X-Wing. Yeah, I, uh, in my two games, also flew a Raider. Um, it's also the only huge ship I have currently. But uh, yeah, super fun, super clean. Um, and the other thing that's kind of fun about the huge ships too is uh, they kind of just don't care about stress and obstacles. So, um, I mean, 
if you do a red maneuver, you have to spend energy now to immediately get rid of the stress token. Um, but that happens during mm-hmm. the check difficulty step before the perform action step happens. So you always basically get to do an action with a huge ship. Yeah, that was a weird mental space I had to move from because at first I was like, oh man, how am I going to move this huge ship to avoid hitting the asteroids and the debris clouds? Um, And then after I hit a couple of them, I realized it wasn't really much of a penalty at all. Most of the time you just lose a little bit of energy or a shield that you're going to regen early on. So I was like, oh, I'll just tear through the battlefield, get into the position I want. Um, It's cool that we both ran the Raider. What was your like main weapons loadout for yours? Oh, I had the uh, like the ordnance tubes, so I could use my uh, secondary weapons as bonus yes. attacks. So I was doing um, like the primary, and then I'd follow up with a proton torpedo, and then I uh, could have been doing this wrong, but I also did like a cluster missile, and then I did the ion turret battery. Um, so basically shooting at like five different things each turn, uh, which is super gross, but super fun. Um, and it's super fun with... Uh, like some of the linked actions and upgrade cards you can do. I had uh, on that particular loadout, I had uh, boosted scanners. So when I target locked, I could spend energy to increase the range. And then uh, also had the sensor experts. So I could keep target locks on three different targets linked into a calculate action and then had the Corvus title to give me an additional calculate token when I took the calculate action. So I'd end each action step with like three target locks a reinforce and two calculates. So it sounds like we basically pick the same loadout independent of one another. So I guess we have pretty similar tastes when it comes to Epic. Um, yeah, that Corvus title was great. I really like the use of calculates to kind of fill in the action gap on the ships. So your huge ships get a standard of two actions, but being able to have those calculates to kind of fill in as not quite a full focus token, but if you're doing the ordnance tubes like both of us were, um, it was nice to have mods on all your shots. And then, you know, having be able to set up those target locks with the sensor team, uh, pretty clutch. Yeah, Raider is pretty dirty, but it's super fun. Yeah, because and I went the ordnance tube route. I did not actually put any ion batteries on or anything. That was the one thing I regretted, having already invested just under 200 points in the ship. Um, Because it wasn't that much more expensive to get some batteries on there. And I would have loved the additional attacks. Because in Epic, you don't have a limit to the number of bonus attacks you can perform. So... With the ordnance tubes, you can fire a torpedo each round, a missile each round, your primary weapon, and then still fire your turrets. Um, so those things can really put out some damage. Yeah, it adds up pretty quick. Now, I, th- I think uh, one of the more interesting aspects, though, was uh, huge ships were something we had seen in the game before. They definitely refined the mechanics here. Wings are something entirely new. Didn't see that at all in the first edition. Wings are basically set formations. You have a wing leader with a wing leader card. Um, and then up to five ships can take positions around them, either on the forward left and right flank, the rear support left and right, or rear center. Um, and they're actually really interesting because there's a lot of perks to them, a couple disadvantages, I think, but um, it was a really different experience. Yeah, so I've flown wings now uh, twice, and it's very interesting Um you have your one ship that acts as the wing leader. Uh, there's a couple different types of upgrade cards that kind of grant that bonus to you. There's a couple specific ones um, that reference specific ship types. Um, I use the generic one, veteran wing leader, that just specifies that your wingmates have to be the same type of ship as you. Um, and what's cool is that the whole wing will activate and place in the setup step um, at the wing leader's initiative. 
Yeah, and that also affects how the ships um, activate during uh, the activation step because they basically act on an initiative of whatever the wing leader is. So it actually rewards you for having a high initiative wing leader, like, say, Hal Runner leading some TIE fighters and then a bunch of Academy, Academy pilots because they will all get to move along with Hal Runner at initiative five, which can provide a lot of boosts, especially if you're running, you know, TIE bombers that want to move later to get target locks on their targets. Normally, if they're low initiative, they can't do that. But if you put a high initiative wing leader, suddenly they get to move at the higher initiative and get the target locks they need. Yeah, in my last Epic game, I actually did a wing of bombers. I had Jonas as the wing leader and then five bombers as wingmates, um, all with barrage rockets. So that was a ton of fun. Yeah, and, and the uh, wing leader cards actually give you some mechanics to help protect your wing leader. So, uh, I mean, normally if you were just trying to fly a formation in a typical game of X-Wing, um, if you have a really good ace pilot like Hal Runner or Jonas, they might become a really obvious target for your opponent to shoot at to try to destroy to break up your synergy. Um, so the veteran wing leader card and all the other specific wing leader cards allow you to basically pass damage to any of your wingmates. Um, if the wing leader gets targeted, which is a huge defensive boon. Um, obviously, you're still taking damage if the attacks are successful, but suddenly, you know, in my case, I was slaying Hal Runner with five TIE Fighters. I could, if I took a couple damage, pass them off to a couple TIE Fighters. I don't care if they take one or two. They're not as important to getting those Hal Runner rerolls. Um, and that was clutch. You know, I had to, I was playing against uh, Andy Myers, and he basically had to waste a whole volley of shots. And I don't think he actually did any damage to Hal Runner. I was either able to dodge it, use the evade I took, or just, you know, pass the remaining damage off to my other ships. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It effectively gives your whole wing uh, the selfless upgrade. Um, of course, pending that they all have the attacker in the firing arc. That is one of the conditions of spreading that damage. Yeah, so there's some limitations, but the ship formations are actually pretty tight, so in a lot of cases, that shouldn't be a problem. Um, one thing I found interesting, and I'm, I'm hoping I got the rules on this right, because, you know, we've been known to make mistakes on this show. I'll admit that. Um, but the way the wing leader activations work, the wing leader activates at its initiative and can take actions as normal. And then the way the f wings work is you move your other ships into formation with that, either the long wing tool or the mini or corner wing tools. Um, so you'll move the lead ship, perform your actions, and then move the other ships in your wing into position next to them. And my understanding, based on the rules as I read it, so that's how I played it, was if you, you know, say you take Hal Runner, um, wing leader for five other ships, performs a maneuver, like a one hard turn, and barrel rolls, the other ships, when they activate immediately after, will move into formation, right, after the reposition. Yeah, and I mean, that seems pretty accurate with what we did as well in our games um for us like our specific one was we had a ship that had afterburners and did like a three bank so they did like a three bank afterburners barrel roll and we i i felt like personally that it just seemed like the wing wouldn't move with the ship but we couldn't find anything that said that it didn't yeah so i mean that's a and that's a huge benefit because basically when the other ships activate they still get to perform an action they're limited to basically non-reposition actions, so focus, calculate, target lock, that kind of stuff um, in the rule set. But since they are moving with the wing leader, that's effectively a reposition they got on top of their action. So almost a pseudo-linked action they get to have. It does specify in the rules for wings that like, if a wing leader slams um, and the wingmates don't have the slam action, then it breaks formation. Um, and same with the cloak action as well. I think they call it a forced split. 
even still the rules I and mean, i mean that's maybe one of my problems with these expansions sometimes the rules aren't exactly clear um but you know take it as written there's a rules reference they can update so hopefully we'll get some clarification on that but if that is the case if we're if we're running that right that's a really cool boost where you know you can do your main wing leader move reposition with them and then have the other ships move and still take you know focus actions or target locks to modify their attacks um, I really actually do dig wings. The one thing I'll say, honestly, is that they are not super precise. Um, the wing tool template um, seems like a great idea. has the little peg in it, so you can drop it in between. Um, if you're lining up six ships in formation with that wing tool, it still is a little clunky, and you're. I think you're, in most cases, going to bump your ships around a little bit. Yeah, I do like, though, that they included a variety of the different wing tools. So there's the long one. There's the one that looks like a standard uh, one straight template. And then there's one that kind of looks like, I don't know, a cross. It's got four corners on it that you can use, um, yeah. which is nice. Because then, you know, if the wing doesn't fit right, or if you have to maneuver certain ships a different way, then you can use those different tools. But uh, yeah, I uh, may or may not have already ordered some acrylic versions of those. <laughs> yeah, especially I think the pegs for me were a little prone to fall out of the cardboard templates, but um I think overall like it does I think speed up activations. It was really cool to be flying, you know, a dozen ships and only setting like five dials. Um that was a really cool experience uh because you know there's already a lot of time consumed with the bigger game size, so anything that speeds that up over time, I really do appreciate. And it's super easy for a ship to, if it needs to, split from the wing and rejoin the wing, uh, which I like if you have to do a certain maneuver or you kind of just have to break away for a turn. I do like that you have the option to rejoin the wing later on. Yeah, and that was super beneficial. Um, a lot of abilities will force you to, force your wingmates to break from the wing, like if the lead wing leader gets ionized or something or forced movement. Um, that can cause the effect. I did think it was cool with the TIE Fighters to be able to have one of the TIE Fighters break off and run into block um, because one of the obviously one of the problems you could experience is blocking can break up wings. And if you're moving at a late initiative, your little swarm of multiple ships is pretty prone to blocking. It was cool to be able to detach early, uh, at the end of the phase. At the end of the end phase, you can decide to detach. So if you you know look at the board state and realize you're probably going to have to block, you can detach with no penalty during the end phase. If you want to rejoin your wing later, that's also cool because you just have to be range 0 to 1 of your wing leader, pretty much facing any direction to join up. It does give you a stress token, so that might limit options for your wing or make it hard to stay in formation. But you know if your ship ends up in a tricky position, being able to rejoin the wing is sometimes a good repositioning option. One kind of... Uh interesting little quirk that i found and that this might just be a thing with my official ffg range ruler but uh you can't actually legally place a wing in range one of the board edge <laughs> wait really like if you put the lead the wing leader up and you're you've got like four more ships yeah so if the wing the... leader is like all the way forward at the end of your range one ruler like the back ships in the wing kind of hang off the mat um again <laughs> could just be a little range ruler quirk but uh my FFG official range ruler says it doesn't work. So uh, keep that That's in mind. I don't think anyone's really going to care in an epic format. I mean, like we said, it's like the casual, everyone's just trying to have a good time format. But uh, yeah, just just the little things. <laughs> well, at least in a lot of the scenarios, you can go out to like range two or they have bigger deployment zones. So you can do it legally. Um, I mean, maybe that's one of my criticisms of this overall is like some of the stuff seems hastily put together. Um, I did like, so I did the, um, cover the evacuation scenario from the Epic Battles, uh, rule, rule set. 
Sure. And I like that actually. I really liked because, like I said, I'm not a big fan of like the giant dog fighting. I like having the objectives in there. I'm not sure if it was perfectly balanced or if just you know me and Andy hadn't played it before, so we didn't know what mechanics we needed to game. Um, it it felt reasonably fair, um, and it was fun. Like that's the that's the at the end of the day, what's important, right? Um, that's cool. I like having the objective options. Yeah, it feels different, and there's a decent selection in this book. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited to try some of them. A little hesitant. Um, I did get to experience Aces High. Um, I don't think I've been on the show since I tried it. Um, didn't no. have a great first run through with it. Um, I think it's just not. I like my X-wing pure, and uh, I'm like too competitive. Sure. I think for a format like that. Um, and I think fundamentally, I just had an issue with some of the some of the rules. But uh, I'd, I'd give it another shot. I think um, keep a more open mind about it. But some of these other scenarios, uh, they look great. Yeah, I think my next uh, experiment on the chopping block here is to try out those uh, like asynchronous three-player scenarios where it's like two kind of working for themselves against one larger defender or um, kind of the lopsided team play where it's 2v1. Like that stuff all looks pretty cool. I'm curious to see how well-balanced it feels um, because I feel like the way the rules are written, it's a little unclear on why you do some of the things you do. Like some of them have you choose an opponent and hide some of their stuff in reserve. Um, so that's not all apparent to me why that's game balance right now. Yeah. So far, my only experience has been with uh, two man team battles. So 400 points a player um, against another two people. Um, I'd really like to try like the individual, like one V one Epic, just a standard kind of slug fest, 500 points versus 500 points. Sure. Um, and see how that works out. Yeah, go for the real battle there. Well, we'll have to have you report back here. I'm sure we're going to get a decent number of Epic Games in in the next couple months, uh, before at least before we get to our next major event. Um, I think, you know, let's look at the overall experience, though. I think, um, I guess here's the question, John. Uh, the Epic Battles multiplayer expansion is $25. Conversion kit is 30 bucks. Or if you want a new huge ship, it's going to run you close to $100. Um, if you were a person converting over from first edition, do you think it's worth, like, the $55 investment to get the conversion in the multiplayer expansion. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I think I made the mistake. I had a couple large ships, or huge ships, sorry, in first edition. Um, since I didn't enjoy Epic, I sold them off right away. Um, so I actually, I bought the Epic Battles and the conversion kit and then bought a Raider secondhand from somebody else. Um, and all of that together, uh, which comes with way more content than you'd get from one ship if you bought it converted to second edition is still cheaper sure um and i think that's a really good way for to go for people that want to get into it um i would encourage people you know like find a friend or maybe a group of people that you're interested in trying epic with and if you're not totally sold then just split the core set i mean you get enough stuff in the conversion kit to convert um each ship for like two factions so you can use the um, I think it's the Tantive for the Republic, and you can use the Sea Rock for the Separatists, yep. and blah, 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 all that. You can use the for dual factions. Um, just find buddies and split it, and if you really like it, then, you know, booster your collection and buy another one later on. Yeah, I, I do like this format because it does really lend itself to, uh, you know, a shared pool of resources between players. So not everyone who wants to play has to have a huge ship. You can do those team battles or team scenarios, have just each team have one huge ship or a couple... Um, nice to have those options. I, I mean, if you're converting from first edition, I w really would recommend the investment. It's not a whole lot. You get a lot of content um, between those two boxes. 
They're nice in the Epic Battles expansion with all the flight stuff because they give you ID tokens for three full flights, which is nice, plus the cards you need to use the ID tokens from the core set for another flight. So um, having four possible flights from one box means you can comfortably do like a two-player game. Each player gets a huge ship from the conversion kit. Each player can run two flights. Um, That's a good way to start out. Yeah, and it's like a relatively simple thing, but I actually really like um, the flight cards and tokens. I like that they all kind of have like their own little unique design and color to distinguish them from the other flights. Um, And just the card itself, like it tells you where that specific ship falls in the formation and it just always stays in that spot. Um, And I just really like that. That's, That's cool design. I guess, you know, the last thing I'm really looking at here is um, with the Epic Battles multiplayer expansion, Fantasy Flight has really established kind of a format for how scenarios are laid out. Um, My hope right now, I guess the two hopes I have is that um, it would be cool if they released scenarios like just publicly from time to time every few months that you can just play with the uh, multiplayer expansion. Cool way to add content out there and spruce up your game. I think that would be cool if they made that a regular free thing. And I also would like to see this be kind of the start of an X-Wing campaign mode. I know like Armada got campaign sets a long time ago, and I think that's something that a lot of X-Wing players have really been yearning for. There's a lot of great fan-made stuff, um, and it would be cool to see Fantasy Flight actually support that officially. And I think they definitely have the capacity to do so. Um, they've already announced a couple like smaller card pack expansions. Um, that have some new pilots and some new obstacles and scenarios that you can use for standard X-Wing. Um, I think it's, you know, pretty realistic that they could do something similar for Epic as well. You know, if they wanted to do new scenario cards or come out with some new upgrades, they don't need to do like a full-on kit. They can just do a smaller pack like that. Absolutely. All right, yeah, I guess that's our, our overall take on this right now. We'll have to get Carson's opinion later on when he's done crocheting his Baby Yoda um but until then you know we'll keep you up to date as we try new scenarios and let us know what scenarios you've tried do you feel like they're balanced um any changes you'd like to see to huge ships here or just what you're really liking in the uh, new format let us know on facebook facebook.com slash radio tcx or on twitter and maybe carson will check it Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Radio TCX if you like the show please go on to facebook.com slash radio tcx and like our facebook page If you really like the show, consider going on iTunes and leaving us a five-star review saying what you liked and why you think other people should listen. And if you really enjoy the podcast, you can support us directly at patreon.com slash radiotcx and become a patron of the show today. It really does mean a lot to us. Again, folks, thank you so much for listening. Hopefully you're enjoying some epic multiplayer games, and we will talk to you next week. You can follow us on Twitter at I don't even know what the tw- I don't even know what the Twitter handle is. I don't do this part. <laughs> but thank you so much for giving me the outtake. That's perfect. It's Radio TCX Podcast at Radio TCX Podcast.